Welcome to the third episode of the Grizz Den Pod. I'm your host, Will Walker, and the co-host on the line this week, Brantley Davidson. And our number three guy, you'll notice he's not here today. And to open this episode, I'm going to kick it over to Brantley. <laughs> so uh, I asked I asked Will if I could do the opener because I feel like this is a fun story just to like at least tell and and then we can post this on the socials. Y'all follow us um, on the grams and on the Twitter at Grizzden. Uh, yeah, at Grizzden. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine um, and fellow Grizzden. Uh, slacker over at my house on Saturday and uh, Rob Langley and we were just talking about life catching up because he's um, out of town currently getting his NBA in the St. Louis and we started talking about the pod and he was sort of just like you know so what's your goal like why do you why are you guys doing this thing and it sort of I don't know it made me a little uh, reflective after the fact I didn't necessarily have a great answer except for just like we just we love the Grizz, you know, me, Will, and Ty, and all of our friends sitting around talking about this stuff. We just thought it'd be fun to record it and just see what happens. There's not really a huge goal of the whole thing. Um, and that was sort of my response at the time. And then to, to be candid, I think as, as I thought about it um, and thought about um, Ty's little baby hatch um, that just got born, uh, the way that even my wife and I wanted to celebrate with he and his wife on how um, we were pregnant and FYI, we're having our first child potentially in four weeks was, um, you know, when, when Ty and Sarah shared with us that they were having their baby, um, you know, we were pumped. Um, really four weeks later, we found out we were, we were having one and we wanted to do it in some sort of crazy creative way just to like share with, share it with them. And um, it was, really when we found out in may it was um you know soon after the conley news had broken actually about him being traded um and or if if the news had been broken beforehand i'm getting my base maybe a little uh, flustered uh, regardless um the the conley jerseys i sort of knew that that they were going to be um on short short supply and I had my wife, I, I called her and I was like, Hey, what we should do is we should, we should buy two Conley baby jerseys and, uh, you know, let's, let's surprise them. Let's have them come over and hang out and give them a present as fun as a fun thing and have them open up two jerseys and have two Conley jerseys in there. Cause I know that Conley is Ty's voice is, is this guy and he's a dog after him, this favorite play, favorite Grizz. And, you know, it was one of those things where we'll post a video um, later just because I think it's funny, but it was like, that was in a weird way, not to overplay like our fandom, but that was how I wanted to share, you know, some huge news, even in my personal life, right? Was that like, Hey, we're, we've, we've shared the Grizzly sports has this fun way of bringing you together and talking through things and, and sharing community and, and doing fun stuff. Um, and, you know, the, the historic, component of the grit and grind has been a major part of you know friendships and not just within kind of this community and sort of the people that we're you know sharing our thoughts with and i don't know i just thought it was sort of relevant to talk about to give a shout out to ty um to talk about conley and and to also just be like man like it's fun it's like we're kind of entering into this age right now and some of the stuff we'll talk about later on this podcast is about 
you know, what does it look like five to six years from now when some of the, the children even that we're having right now will remember some of these players? Well, they'll be rocking jaw jerseys and maybe Jaron jerseys or BC jerseys, maybe Melton jerseys. Maybe those are the kind of indie grits um, people. And, you know, I just, it's just, it's just, it's just fun. I guess we do this because we freaking love the Grizz and we want to give, we, ha- we think we have fun things to talk about from just a Grizz perspective. And like what Will said earlier and what he described is like, this is all Grizz protein, man. We don't give you anything else. It's just, it's just Grizz straight up, 100%. So shout out to Ty and Baby Hatch. Uh, we need a picture of him and his little Conley uh, jersey. It's not a jersey. It's the real jersey, man. We need to see that soon and get that up on the Grizzden IG later. Man, that was that was beautiful, Brantley. I just got a little emotional. Yeah. <laughs> man, shout out, shout I'm, out I'm to Ty. Feeling, I'm feeling emotions right now, man. I just got back from the T-Wolves, from the Grizz whooping up. Man, I'm feeling it. Let's go. Man, shout out to Ty. We got and shout out to you as well. We just got some Grizz Cubs coming in. Uh, Grizz Cubs, love it. That is a perfect segue. So yeah, you were the one of the reasons we're doing this remotely is that you just got back from the game. We got some last minute tickets, and let's just start right there. Um, we were the, the Timberwolves were without Carl Anthony Towns, which uh, which you would think. That's just going to open up everything down low. The Grizz are going to get off to a hot start. We're going to keep the lead. That This game was anything but that at the beginning. Uh, the Grizz got down early. It seemed as though we could never just claw back and, and, and take the lead until the very end when our stars just our stars were stars. So, yeah, give me your quick thoughts from the game being at the arena. Um. The jaw effect is, I think we've talked about this a couple times. It's just so real. His stardom um, and his potential is, uh, you know, barring no major injuries, is just, it's unlimited, I think. You know, I'd like to speak, speak hyperbolic. Like, it's just an impact on the games. I'll just maybe use one quick pointer because to be honest, like I was, I was getting all the emotions. I, you know, I really only caught the last four to five minutes. Um, from a detail perspective, I was in a box with clients and it was, you know, but, uh, it was really hard for me to um, uh, pay attention until the very end. But if, if for those of you who watched the Phoenix game and the way that we were sort of sloppy and closed it, and some of that was on jaw, I think, you know, when he was getting double teamed, right. He, he threw the he threw the ball away a couple times, and the way that he got double teamed um, on that last before that last bucket where he threw it to Ja, I was sitting right above um, uh, the the Grizz basket, and he faked me out um, in that double team. I thought he was I think going to throw it over to, to to Jay at the top of the key. It was either Jay or Dylan. I think it was Jay. And if he had tried to throw it to Jay, he would have turned it over and the Wolves would have gotten a quick, easy dunk or maybe an open look um, from a three. But instead, he flashed it to Jaron and Jaron hit that floater and that's what. And it just, it's, he's such a star and he's learned just from that game to game perspective to learn that quickly, I think. And even just, um, you know, I think teams are keying on him and he's having to adjust on a game by game basis. And, and then just, you know, the stuff that used to be like um, when I saw him play against the jazz for Conley's return, for instance, like just his up and under movement, like his, his athleticism, the stuff that was so hype at the beginning now is so normal. And the fact that that stuff is normal, is just, 
I mean, it's telling. It just, it's, the, I'm all in. I've got so much energy on them, you know? The the improvement, like you were just saying, that detail of, because it was, I mean, and we'll talk about this as we go through sort of our status report of, of since we last spoke, but that Phoenix game down to the wire, it was, it was on Ja. I mean, he, he was trying to do it himself. He was, um, he was letting the, the trap just collapse and uh, affect his decision making. Yep. He wasn't patient. And then tonight, like you said, it's just like in one game, he realized exactly what he was doing. He made the adjustments and it, it paid off. It's just, it's unbelievable to have a player this young who's growing up this fast. Yeah, and he's doing it in front of us, which is, I mean, let it's it's time. Let's get on board, man. Like it's, yeah. I'm drinking the Kool Aid, especially tonight. There's no reason not to celebrate when we're kind of ha- when we have this momentum, you know. This is a big, you know, we've talked about in the last two episodes. We're not sure yet whether or not we're gonna commit to this playoff thing. We're still seeing how what happens. Maybe wait, but to me, this week was such a huge turning point. Not only because of these two wins against teams that are going to be challenging you for the eighth seed in Phoenix and Minnesota, but also uh, in the city of Memphis last weekend, you saw Anthony Edwards come in and play the Tigers. I don't know if you saw any of that game. I saw the very end and then looked at the stats and the highlights, and Edwards had like a terrible game. And so it's yeah. like that to me, and and I've I've even heard some draft guys talk about this draft and how – how poor it has the potential to be. And it's just those two things combined with like that combined with the fact that we're playing so well and, and seem to be beating the teams that we're supposed to beat. In addition to a team like the Clippers, uh, it's just things like just this, this train is rolling and I'm, I'm in for the playoffs. Whoa. I'm in. Whoa. I'm in. Let's push. Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's convey. <laughs> go ahead. Like let's convey, huh? I want to go. I, I want to play the Lakers, and I want to. I want to win Game Three at home, and maybe lose in five, which will probably happen. Uh, I don't know yet whether I want to <laughs> trade Jay Crowder or keep him. I think he's a pretty important part of this team, uh, as he yeah. uh, as he showed us against the Clippers, uh, but. Yeah, man, it's there's something going on. Like it really does feel like a turning point in the season here. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, look, we're we're fans. But some of this 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 pod may go long, so you know, whatever. Turn up your speed dial if you need to. If you if you're listening to this at work on Wednesday, you need to get through it faster. But um, you know, this may sound you know more Homer than normal. But it's like, you know, to see stuff like, I don't, well, I don't know if you saw this, but I posted on our Slack, Kendrick Perkins, you know, he shouted out the Grizzlies yesterday. He posted um, at 9-11, he said, I'm telling you all this young core that the Grizzlies have is scary with Ja Jackson and this light-skinned Cat Brooks are fun to watch. And they just <laughs> might make the playoffs this year and get that eighth seed. And I, to, to be honest, I haven't done enough um, really looking at where we might land and um, uh, and the player options that we might have available, it's hard to imagine that uh, that pick could, um, uh, you know, what that would be, it, you know, what the trade-offs would be for making the playoffs versus not. Um, and I think when we get into the cap discussion, it may not be, it may not matter. Right. Um, it's depending on what we're trying to do. But 
man, it's it's hard to not want to just root for the Grizzlies just to like, I mean, you know, the Suns and the Wolves and the Blazers and the Kings, those are kind of like the new Thunder um, uh, and, and the new Clippers, if you will. You know, for me, it's kind of like, right. you know, for, for thinking about the grit and ground era, like I kind of want to beat out those teams. I don't want to see them make it. I definitely don't want to see the Pelicans make it for multiple reasons. Um, I think I'm starting to get there too. I'm not all the way there, to be honest, just because I want to sort of have some sort of informed opinion, I think, on um, the Anthony Edwards thing and, and potentially other guards that could be available because I think that's what our needs are. But, yeah, I watched I watched about half of that game, and he didn't jump off the screen. That's no. about all I can say. Uh, so for context, with this win tonight, the Grizzlies are half a game back from the eighth seed. The Spurs are in the eighth seed at 15 and 20. The Grizzlies' next game mm-hmm. against the Spurs, Friday night at home. Mm-hmm. That's a huge game <laughs> all of a sudden. Uh, a lot of A little bit of a revenge game. Didn't they shoot like 60% last they time did. they were in town? They did indeed, right before Christmas time. So, uh, okay, so uh, let's 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 get this train back on the tracks a little bit. Uh, let's get back to our, our status report. Let's go through, since we last spoke, uh, the Grizzlies uh, played the Kings. Um, we'll talk about this in just a second. Uh, but we lost. Uh, we had a lead. Gave it up. The next game was the Clippers game, which we referenced uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, and here on our notes, we have we whooped that trick, which we did. Whoop. We uh, beat the Suns, and tonight we beat the Timberwolves. So we had a 3-1 and one record since we last spoke. Let's go back uh, and talk about the Kings uh, game. What, what stuck out to you in that game? Well, uh, to be really transparent, uh, this is a late night and I fell asleep, uh, halfway through and watched highlights. And, um, it was really hard to sort of tell the flow of the game sometimes with, with watching house of highlights, which by the way, it's a great trick. If, if none of you guys actually follow house of highlights on YouTube and if you miss a game, you, the next day you basically see every scoring play in 10 minutes. So great way to start off your morning. If you catch my drift, um, and it was really hard for me to, re- to, to get a good sense of what was actually happening, um, and the flow and sort of how we blew it other than just sort of maybe repeating other takes that happened, um, you know, just through kind of browsing the Twitter universe, I guess, if you will. So, uh, there were a couple of things I, um, honestly, I just sort of felt like when I was watching the game to start, we just even though the first half was, you know, a close game, um, you know, I think we, I guess I can't, can't pull up the score immediately off the top of my head, but I remember being close, I guess, to end the first half. Correct. It just, it just sort of felt like we weren't all there, even though it was starting kind of this, this West coast run. And I would have thought we would have brought our A game against the Kings. We just felt, it just felt like a day school to me. Yeah. And I got to catch, I got to catch the end of the game. Uh, it was frustrating because it it really was it, like the first quarter at the end of the first quarter it was forty two to twenty six Grizzlies we got out to an amazing start second quarter thirty seven to eighteen in favor of the Kings so it was it was close at halftime the Grizzlies third quarter was thirty seven versus the Kings twenty seven and then the fourth quarter thirty eight to twenty six so it really did feel like just a r- runs back and forth and it just so happened that the Kings I think 
being at home helped them. They got their crowd involved, and uh, we made some pretty pretty boneheaded plays down the stretch that uh, I I was a little frustrated that it was against the Kings just because they're right there. They have, at the time, they had the uh, the same record as we did. Um, and so it was, if you are on the on the playoff push train, uh, it was a big game in that respect. But they've since... Uh, they haven't won since, and so we're 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 a couple games ahead of them. So the implications weren't actually as large, but it was just to me it the 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 summation and what I wrote down as a note was just a fourth quarter, another fourth quarter lead that we that we blew, uh, similar to the OKC where we were up and we had control of the game and we just let it go, which is uh, one of those things that you are gonna have if you're a young team. There was a lot more <laughs> exciting stuff that happened later in the week, so we're going to move on uh, That's right. to the Saturday game, the Clippers. Unbelievable. I don't know if we can. Uh, I don't know if we can play this well again. Jay Crowder, your boy, my had, boy, let's go. Had the best game of his life. Yeah, can we redo that Twitter poll now? That's right. Seriously, let's re-release. <laughs> He held Kawhi to one of one of the worst games I've ever seen from from Kawhi, and I I love I I, I personally would take Kawhi um, number one if we were doing a draft of the NBA right now. Uh, if you were going to the playoffs, yeah, it'd be hard not to. Uh, it's be he he or Giannis, and I just I mean he's the guy right now in my opinion. And Jay Crowder, um, shut him down. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it just, um, yeah, sort of when I'm teeing it off, you know, just again, transparently, I, I didn't even know the game was at three o'clock. Um, we were sitting there drinking an astronaut status and I was like, Oh, the game, Rob was like the game's at three, let's turn it on. And we were kind of listening back and forth between that terrible Texans game. And, uh, the second half, I really was able to pay attention and it. And when you go back and watch the highlights, it's, it's, it was just nuts, Jay's impact on the game. I mean, not just from a scoring perspective, but he sort of, it felt like wore Kawhi down. And again, like we beat the Clippers. They didn't have Paul George. They didn't have Pat Bev. Um, but still, I mean, they had, they still, you know, Lou Williams was in the game. They still had some of their, you know, their core people. Mo Harkless was really trying to step up. And in the past, he's really crushed us. And so it was fun to see him not maybe um, take over the game in a way that, that led them to a victory. Um, but you know, Jay was due. I mean, he's really been struggling from behind the arc and to see him step up and um, deliver a 27 point night. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, that are jumping on board and just trying to sell high, um, on Jay based on that game. And I don't know. I just, there's, there just seems to be a lot of unmeasurables with him right now that just has me really hesitant. Um, that, and, and I'm concerned on what might happen to the team holistically if he were to be traded. And it's not just games like this where he is an obvious op hopper on the stat sheet. Um, and, and, and where he's, you know, clearly guarding, you know, the best player on the team and doing a good job of it. Um, but again, you know, I've already talked about that in the past, but again, like there's, like John Morant, like there's still just stuff like where there's there's highlights of him just having moves and the way that he handles the ball that I just don't think that players are doing currently. And it's fake. It's doing things to veteran all-star caliber players and and they don't know what to do with him. 
Yeah, and just overall, one of the the the, the Clippers at the beginning of the fourth, they tried to make a push, um, and the Grizzlies just kept coming back. They just kept hitting shot after shot after shot. Um, it was just the the one word I would use to describe the game was just fun. It was fun. Uh, there was never a moment um, where the Grizzlies weren't just scoring the ball over and over at just such a high clip. And uh, we have the, the, the field goal percentage by quarter here. Uh, the first quarter sh- shot 58%. Uh, second quarter, it was a little lower at 31, but then the third and fourth quarters, we shot 54% and 65% respectively. It was just unbelievable. Um, overall, granted, there was no Pat- Patrick Beverly, there was no Paul George, um, so it wasn't the Clippers at full strength, but nonetheless, uh, the, the, the result was never in doubt, it felt like. Yeah. I also think <clears throat> when you sort of break down the totals, like what you were just going through. Um, I'd love to compare this. Just looking at it off the top, you know, when you look at the fact that we were, we attempted close to 43 point, um, three pointers shot 46%. Um, we had an overall kind of, you know, high effective field goal percentage. So it was falling everywhere. Um, and then one of the things that, um, you know, I think we sort of touched on a little bit and, and then I think as we sort of focus on a couple of things uh, moving forward, you know, maybe not this podcast, but in the future is like, what, where are some specifics that we really want to nitpick maybe on with our stars on where to improve? Um, I think it's something that maybe this game, hopefully Ja can take from a learning is that he got to the foul line um, eight times um, and went seven for eight from the line. His average attempts um, for the season thus far per game is like right around a little over four. And so I think that that's a really interesting statistic for him. I want to see that improve. I'd love to see him really start to average six to seven, you know, um, for the, for the year, which really means kind of keeping that pace on um, a little bit um, of, you know, seven to eight per game. Um, I, I really think that that means that he, that is showing that he has started to learn how to adjust his body in a way to when he's using his athleticism to learn how players are defending him and drawing fouls versus just trying to outman them. I think it's the way he's going to get easy points and control the pace of the game long-term. And I think it's really important for um, his overall trajectory, because if he can add that in to his game, it's going to be really, really tough. Um, and in a way, obviously that he can just get some easy points for us. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, another takeaway I had for our other star was Jaron. Uh, the the four games that we're talking about, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was Jaron's rebounding and his aggressiveness. Mm. Sacramento, seven rebounds. L.A., six rebounds. Phoenix, eight rebounds. And tonight, he had seven rebounds. Jaron is not typically known as a guy who's going to have high rebounding numbers. That's sort of a knock on him. Um, but in the past few games, it's been really apparent that he has been intentional about trying to go in, grab the rebounds, and they haven't been just uh, long bounces that he happens to run down. He is 
He has been, I remember <laughs> just flashbacks to having Jamichael Green on our team. I think Jaron took two or three rebounds away from Jamichael Green. It was a 50-50 ball, which if you know Jamichael, that's what he's sort of known for. So that's not just a huge accomplishment. But at the same time, it was fun to see Jaron uh, getting in the paint, uh, staying aggressive, and, and really owning uh, that part of the court. And I would love to keep see that keep going. I I think it's going to regress a little bit, but it's it's fun to see him really putting an emphasis on that lately. Yeah, and I think the last like really quick point, I, I love I love that on his aggressiveness with rebounding. I think just general aggressiveness is just something that you've seen over Jaron the past fifteen games. Um, he really has shifted his mindset a lot. I think in just learning how to play maybe alongside of John a different type of role. Um, you, you, not maybe different roles overstating it, but just maybe being the second scorer as opposed to the first kind of young up and comer. And um, I don't know. I, I just I, it seems he seems to be hitting a stride there, and, and it's it's impacting a lot of different areas of the game. I think if you know our, our other co-hosts were here, he'd want us to start talking about what Melton or BC yep. did in this game as well. Um, you look at um, Melton where he had he ended the game with you know eight points plus four from an overall plus-minus. Brandon Clark was eight points plus 19 on a plus-minus perspective. Both played um, right around um, 16 to 17 minutes. Um, not uh, a, a lot of that impact wasn't really felt, in my opinion, from, from what I remember from watching the game. It wasn't mop-up minutes, so those were actually big minutes um, and key points of the game. I mean, just the fact that we're sitting here and we can talk about role players, um, one from a first-round draft pick and one from a trade that we got is just why I think a lot of Grizzlies fans are just feeling super excited about what, what we're doing and, and seeing these guys really develop and own um, uh, uh, the team and the success. Absolutely. And, man, we <laughs> we really could talk about this forever. I just looked up. We've been talking for 27 minutes now about uh, okay, let's move on. <laughs> two or three games. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I will say, no, 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 I, I think it's such a, I mean, it just shows you um, how excited this team makes us just coming off a, a big win tonight. All we want to do is talk and talk about them. Uh, just a couple tweets that we want to share. Um, the Suns game, if you missed it, uh, it was a great, it, it was just a great three and a half quarters and then fourth quarter got a, a little bit scary the last half. Uh, the Suns made a push, but we, we held to, held on to the lead. Despite some turnovers, uh, we alluded to that a little bit earlier with Ja. But out of that Suns game, um, there was a tweet from Kurt Goldsberry: the most efficient jump shooters for this season, uh, as far as effective field goal percentage goes. Number one, Duncan Robinson with the Heat, who's been shooting lights out. Number two, Davis Pertans. Number three, JJ Redick. Number four, Jaron Jackson Jr. Sixty-two percent effective field goal percentage. And number five, Joe Harris. So he's literally in there with the best shooters in the game, uh, and this is minimum two hundred attempts. So put him in that three point contest. Put him, put him there. And then the the put second, him in. The second tweet we wanted to share was from the Grizzlies PR account, which was the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know if this is true uh, tonight, but this was after the Suns game. The Memphis Grizzlies. It's not true of tonight. I can tell you. The Grizzlies have held a 20-plus point lead in four consecutive games, including all three games during their latest road trip. Uh, the last time they did that was in 2015. So uh, mm. you're seeing the stats to back up what our eyes are showing us. Um, 
and this team is just fun. Uh, so with that, we're going to take a quick break. You'll hear from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to bring on uh, a special guest, uh, Kyle Crook. He's uh, He works with us, and he had a, a pretty cool experience you'll want to hear about here soon. So uh, let's take a quick break. This episode of the Grizz Den Pod is sponsored by Katie Davidson Homes with Coldwell Banker. Katie is known for her expertise in home aesthetics and getting Memphis homes sold quickly for top dollar, even after other agents have previ- previously attempted and failed. Did you know that on average, Memphis home values have increased by close to 5% just in the previous year? If you're looking to take advantage of the current market trends by buying or selling, give Katie a call at 901-604-4926. She knows the market and loves working with clients through the buying and selling process to reach their real estate goals. One client had this to say about working with her. This is the second opportunity I had to use Katie's expertise and professionalism. I would recommend Katie to anyone wishing to buy or sell real estate. Right from the start, Katie guides you through the process, decision points, and final negotiations. Her talent for staging and updates helped sell my property in just two days. Two days, ladies and gentlemen. Again, give Katie Davidson with Coldwell Banker a call at 901-604-4926 for all of your Memphis real estate needs. All right, we now welcome on the first ever guest to the Grizzden Pod. His name is Kyle Crook. He's a co-worker of, of Brantley and I, and uh, he had an an amazing experience, a behind-the-scenes experience with the Grizzlies early on in the season. First of all, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Will. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You got to uh, go to L.A. on the Grizzlies uh, trip out there on a one it was a one game road trip you got to ride on the team plane got sort of an all-access pass with the Grizzlies got to go to the game uh and come home and basically do what the Grizzlies did uh for the week is that right yes that uh that is exactly right so uh my dad had an opportunity to uh get this kind of set up through uh through his job and uh he asked me if I wanted to go he had an extra ticket so I uh I joined them, so pretty much what we did was we uh, flew out to L.A. on the team's charter jet. We were there with you know the players, the coaches, announcers, people who work kind of behind the scenes for the team. And uh, we flew out to L.A. and uh, stayed at the team hotel. And uh, from there, we got to really kind of mingle with some of the players and the coaches and get to know the guys a little bit. And that was a really, really cool experience. Uh, it really, What really stood out to me the most was how – really how just down to earth and humble a lot of these guys are. Um, I talked to Kyle Anderson for a good bit. He's a really, really nice guy. And John Morant, you can tell just his mentality and the way he approaches, you know, his game and, you know, this newfound fame that he's got, how well he handles himself. He, he handles himself like he's been a superstar in this league for 10 years. And it's really, really cool to see. That's, that's super cool. Uh, so I want to I want to kind of go step by step. So sure. you get to the you get to the airport. What happens next? Do you board the plane before the players? Are you just like are you with them from the from the very beginning or or what goes on? And then also how what's what's the plane like? So uh, the plane's basically just like a standard commercial plane, but it's kind of gutted out on the inside and kind of set up to 
be a little more accommodating to, you know, NBA players because <laughs> they are all taller than most people. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, just the way the seats are set up to where guys can kind of face each other and there's tables out where they can, you know, play cards or whatever it is that they like to do. I know Tony Allen loved playing cards when he was a player. Famously. Famously. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had that set up for the players and coaches. And then in the back is kind of like a first class area, like seat wise, comfort wise. It really was first class. But uh, that was for people who worked with for the team announcers, things like that. And we kind of sat back there the whole flight there and back. But uh, we still, you know, kind of had a chance to talk to the guys and talk to the coaches and get to know everybody a little bit. And so that's kind of how things got set up. You know, flight wise. Did you? Know, you uh, who were who, who? Did y'all get to interact with uh, on the flight back there in that area? So we got to talk with uh, Pete Pranica and Brevin Knight and Rob Fisher. I actually interned with Rob uh, back in college. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I uh, I'm a little familiar with Rob. We you know see each other every once in a while and say hey, but um. He, uh, we talked to them for a long time. We talked to, you know, the people who do the security detail and kind of run all of that. And then there's, you know, people that run all their social and, you know, get to know them, get kind of get an idea of what it is they do behind the scenes. Because, I mean, even people like that are super important nowadays because there's just so much you can do on social media for these NBA teams. And, just all this content you can create. So it's really cool to kind of get inside of their heads and kind of get an idea of how they approach, you know, their job and what it is that, that, you know, they're doing that makes the Grizzlies Twitter and Instagram pages so popular. Yeah. Okay. So you, you ride on the plane, y'all had, y'all have any food or is that something that, uh, that is reserved only for the players? No, they, uh, they do food. It's a very, it's all really healthy food. It's like, uh, you know, grilled fish, you know, salads, things like that. Just really healthy, healthy meals on the plane, but also healthy snacks, things like apple chips and, you know, just kind of healthy alternatives to, you know, different snack foods. Well, that's good. So, yeah, that that's makes me pretty, feel good about our uh, nutrition department. Exactly. So they, uh, that's pretty much, you know, the kind of the food situation uh, on on the plane, but there's also you know, TVs in these planes, you can watch movies just like you can in any ordinary airplane if it's a long enough flight. So that was really cool. We were able to, you know, watch movies, you know, kind of mingle, get to know everybody. And, you know, the plane rides really were a lot of fun. So you 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 fly out on a Monday, you said. is the, Was the game on a Tuesday? Yeah, the game was on a Tuesday. Okay, so what did y'all do in between landing in L.A. and uh, getting to the arena for game time? So, um... Up until the buses kind of took us from the hotel to Staples Center, we kind of were just free to kind of do whatever we wanted to do. I know the players had practices and stuff, but they still would come back to the hotel and walk around, and that's where, you know, you get to talk to some of the guys. That's where I got to talk to Kyle Anderson. We had a good conversation. Uh, he's a really, really nice guy, and he's, you know, becoming a crowd favorite for the Grizzlies, just his style of play, and kind of people embracing that slow-mo nickname of his. Yeah. So he was really, he was really, really cool. And you can tell he really, he likes this team. He likes playing for Memphis. So, it, you know, talking with him was really good. And then getting to say hey to John Morant and Jaron Jackson, 
just they, they have such great attitudes and you know it's real if i were a vet on this team like jay crowder anderson or any of those guys just kind of being around guys like john jaren just personality wise is just really refreshing they bring excitement not only you know to the games but outside of the games making appearances just they're really bubbly personalities it it's uh I really, really like the direction, you know, everything's heading for us. Yeah, because, I mean, it's easy to, you know, those guys are in front of cameras all the time, and also on social, like you mentioned, that's becoming such a big part of just the NBA experience, and, and you can, you know, they, they, you have the viral video of John Jaron going around with recording, like, the pregame stuff and behind the scenes with that, and they just, just yeah. seem like they have, uh, you know, such – great attitudes and also just fun personalities. And you're saying, you know, that's, that's not necessarily an act. Like that's, that's how they are. Yeah. I mean, it's, I definitely got the, you know, what you see is what you get vibe from those guys. You know, they don't turn it on just because the cameras around. They're always, you know, enjoying themselves, having fun. And you can tell they really don't take for granted that they get to play basketball for a living. So, yeah. So it's, it so, was. It was really. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that no, that was all I was saying. It was just you know, it's a really cool thing to see because we haven't had that youth and that youthful exuberance, I guess, in a really long time. So yeah, it's been it's been really refreshing to kind of see. Yeah. So. So you get to hang out with them a little bit uh, that afternoon, and did they have? You said they did they have just a shoot around, or did they have a, a normal practice? So I think they had like a normal practice that Monday afternoon after we flew in and then on Tuesday it was kind of a shoot around and you know getting ready for the game but during the practice time we were all kind of able to just see the sights you know walk around LA and do the whole tourist thing but we uh definitely were more excited about getting to Staples Center and watching that game more than anything else yeah so uh did were y'all basically just normal fans for that game did y'all have normal tickets or did y'all uh get any behind the scenes uh experiences uh at staples so um we not necessarily before the game but after the game and once you know the teams got into the locker rooms we were able to go to the floor and walk around go back in the tunnels and the way we got back on the buses to head back to our hotels, there were uh, it's where all the players parked their cars, so we got to see all of these crazy expensive cars, these Bentley, <laughs> all of this from people, and you know got to see players walking around. We saw Demarcus Cousins walking around out there, uh, Jared Dudley, uh, just a lot of the Lakers players out and yeah, out walking around. So it so- was that was really cool. But you know, honestly, the craziest thing to me for that whole game experience was the game was on a Tuesday night, but still the amount of just celebrities that were there. Yeah. I was about to ask. Unbelievable. I mean, a Monday or yeah, Tuesday night game. And you see Floyd Mayweather walk in with his crew of 30 guys and all sit courtside. You see, you see flea sitting over there by the bench. Uh, Adam Levine from Maroon five was courtside. I mean, it was just crazy how, you know, how these people are coming to, watch us play on a Tuesday night in right. LA. And I think, you know, John Morant is a, has, does have a lot to do with that just because I'm sure these guys want to see somebody that's just going to do something that could be breathtaking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Grizzlies aren't yeah. your boring, you know, random game that you just have to, you 
so people who have season tickets are going back and forth on who's going to end up with those tickets. Now it's John Morant and even Jaron Jackson are just two guys that are going to that are are drawing the casual fan, which is really neat. Oh yeah, and Brandon Clark too. I mean, his Brandon athleticism. Clark, yeah. I mean, his athleticism. I I mean, I think he is the perfect you know glue guy role player for for us to build. In, for the future, because I mean, Jaw's going to be a superstar. Or I mean, he's already showing that he has that ability right now to be a star in the league. So, you know, we're, we're really we're really set with him and him and Jaron. Jaron, I think, is the best shooting big man in the NBA. Uh, he's shooting over forty percent from three. So, I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to be really fun to watch grow. You know, once he starts to kind of bulk up and grow into his body and be able to take on more. You know, low post situations. He's going to be fun to watch. Oh yeah. And guys like Dylan Brooks, I don't know if he's necessarily in the role that's best for him right now, but I think long term he is going to be a really, really good player for us. Yeah, and I was about to ask. You know, obviously that that game. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was when Anthony Davis basically beat us single handedly, right? Yeah, and not only. Did he beat us single handedly? He beat us single handedly by shooting free throws. I mean, he got oh, yeah. in that first half. I think in the second quarter, he got to the free throw line ten or fifteen times in the last five minutes of the quarter. I mean, it was absurd. And you know, only played three quarters and put up forty points. Yeah. And I mean, just dominant. And the Grizzlies. That I mean, it was so early in the season. Right. Yeah. A bunch of new guys. I don't think they were really. They hadn't had their rotation set yet. DeAnthony Melton wasn't really playing at this time. So I think, you know, once we uh, kind of figure things out and we do have a rotation set like we do now, I think we are in the future going to be more competitive in situations like that. But, I mean, also, look, we just demolished the Clippers on a noon game on Saturday. <laughs> in LA. I mean, it's already starting to work out. And, uh I didn't take too much. I didn't really take too much stock in the loss that game. No. The, the Lakers just because we're so young and it was so early in the year. I mean, what we were then already, our team is nothing like that team. I mean, we've already grown so much in that span of time. You know, with guys like DeAnthony Melton stepping up, with Jonas Valanciunas, he's finally coming around. Jay Crowder has been really, really solid all year. And Jaron started out the season slow. Now he's picking everything back up. I mean, I think, you know, games like that are going to start to be way more competitive now that we're starting to, you know, figure things out. Yeah, absolutely. It was. Now that you say that, it really, it really does feel like a completely different team uh, from now. Uh, now, as compared to back when you you got to go and see them in L.A. Uh, random question. What was the... What was the atmosphere in Staples Center, apart from the celebs, what was the atmosphere like in Staples as opposed to a, a FedEx Forum experience in your eyes? There's still definitely, a, you know, the stadium fill, or the arena fills. I mean, it fills up every single night. It was a packed arena for that game. And, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with, you know, John Morant coming to L.A. for the first time. People are going to want to see him play. But I mean, it was—it really was a packed stadium, and I was the thing that surprised me the most of pretty much all anything in that game was that uh, when Dwight Howard checked in for the first time, 
I mean, everybody went absolutely nuts for him. Man. Crazy to me because this was so early in the season. We all weren't sure that Dwight was going to be, you know, the kind of player he has been this year. And my thinking was, you know, they're probably still a little salty about his last time in L.A., but they really did go nuts for him. And it was, I mean, that was really, really surprising to me. That is super interesting. Well, Kyle, we'll get you out on this question. What was the uh, what was the main thing that you uh, obviously you were you were pumped going into it, and this was going to be a a once in a lifetime type experience. What was one thing that you uh, that was completely, I guess, different from your expectations throughout the whole week uh, that you you just didn't whether it's you didn't see it didn't see it coming from. Uh, from what you was on your schedule, or or whether it was an interaction that you had, what, what what was the one thing that sort of stuck out to you that you you weren't expecting uh, to uh, to experience going in? I mean, I'd say the one thing, and I kind of mentioned it earlier. I mean, the game it was a game early in the season on a Tuesday night. Just the amount of people, amount of like celebrities that did come out to that game <laughs> to see them play on a Tuesday was really really cool and. I think, you know, moving forward, that's going to be kind of a recurring theme for us now that we've got two guys that are going to be really, really big names in the league and are going to be, you know, faces of the league with John, Jaron. I mean, it's something like that, you know, you probably aren't going to see when you got an aging Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and Mike Conley coming to town. Right. Aren't gonna be you know playing fast and flying up and down the floor and dunking and jumping and taking a lot of threes and that's you know kind of what we do now. So I'd, I'd say that was probably my biggest takeaway. Well, man, not gonna lie to you, I was extremely jealous, uh, <laughs> but I am glad that uh, we got you on to uh, to talk about it and rub it in even more. But no, seriously, <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on, Kyle and. Uh, we look forward to uh, having you on again, and uh, and man, let's uh, let's keep this let's keep this winning thing going. I'm, let's I'm keep it going, it. man. You're right. The Grizz next gen is uh, something to be really really excited about. So thanks Absolutely. for uh, on as well. It was a uh, it was really I had a really good time, you know, talking through all this stuff with you. Definitely, Kyle. Thanks again. All right, let's get to some segments. First up, we have our Grizzlies history moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off of what Kyle was just talking about uh, with a little theme of the Lakers, the Grizzlies versus the Lakers, and and just the relationship between those two teams in the past. I'm gonna hit some key high points uh, that we've seen uh, with these two franchises in history. So uh, let's start from the very beginning uh, when the Grizzlies were in Vancouver. Uh, they played they were obviously in the Western Conference, played the Lakers uh, three to four times every year. They started 1-22 against the <laughs> against the Lakers all time. Uh, the <laughs> one win that we had came in our our second season, and Sharif Abdurrahim had 28 points and 14 rebounds in that win. Uh, and also Kobe in that span had the first triple-double of his career against the Vancouver Grizzlies. But it got a little bit better. We moved to Memphis, and uh, one of the most famous games in uh, in Grizzlies history was Jason Williams in 2001. The, Gr- the Lakers were coming off a championship where they were about to win another one. He had two points in the first half, 
and scored 24 points in the second half uh, to basically single-handedly beat the Lakers at home. Uh, we did not do a lot of winning in that 2001 season, yet this win was a huge one uh, for the franchise and uh, for Jason Williams' legacy. Um, in 2007, uh, unfortunately for the Grizzlies, uh, Kobe Bryant dropped a 60-point game on us in mm. March. Um, so mm. it's all over YouTube. You can go look at it, but it's not pretty <laughs> for the Grizzlies. Uh, and then it turned back around. Um, you could say one of the um, the most uh, the trade that exceeded all expectations for the Grizzlies, uh, Pau Gasol for Marcus Gasol. Uh, that trade, I have it here. <laughs> it is hilarious to look back and see uh, this deal on February first, two thousand eight. The Grizzlies traded Pau Gasol in a 2010 second-round draft pick to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenton, <laughs> Marc Gasol, Aaron McKee, and the 2008 first-round draft pick Dante Green was later selected with Ooh. that pick, and then a t- another or a 2010 first-round draft pick, which Gravis Vasquez was selected with mm. that pick. Um, that oh, trade at the time it, it it vaulted the Lakers to uh, to contention, uh, but also it gave the Grizzlies uh, one of the core four. Uh, so one of the most important trades in Grizzlies history for sure. Uh, things turned around for the Grizzlies again from 2014 to 2016. The Grizzlies had a nine game win streak versus the Lakers, and then only last year, one of the most iconic shots in this young player's career, Jaron Jackson Jr hitting the three over LeBron uh, to win in L.A. Uh, the Lakers and Grizzlies have had a, a super interesting history, and that's been your Grizzlies history moment of the day. And now, Brantley, we're going to introduce a new segment. We call it No Cap, and it's when we talk about anything to do with the salary cap. So what you got for this? Um, so I think one of the things that is we've sort of been brainstorming how to maybe make the cap understanding a little bit easier and use as a tool for all of us just to, as listeners, just to think through what the options are. One of the things that we use basketball reference to do is actually pull the data into um, a really fancy spreadsheet, um, just to help see by player by year what we have from a commitment perspective uh, and then, um, you know, maybe where there's some projected picks coming into play and where sort of the cap and tax levels are. And so I guess I'll just caveat this to say that there's a lot within the spreadsheet that we're going to actually post later um, on our social channels and actually make available um, for download for you all to actually look at and play with. It's if you're like us and like to dork around on stuff, um, this will kind of be the alpha version, um, if you will, uh, to play around and, and sort of, you know, uh, carve your own Grizz, um, you know, future if you, if you want to. But 
Um, I'm saying alpha because there's a lot of other contractual, um, you know, kind of legal components that aren't necessarily baked into the spreadsheet yet. So this is just a super simple version to help see maybe what we have committed and maybe some of the things and options that we have available. And so um, we'll just sort of maybe kick it off that way and talk, talk to start that essentially, you know, if you think about what the Grizzlies have coming up um, in this free agency period, you know, we've talked about Iggy. We've mentioned the potential trade options of Jay Crowder or maybe even throwing in Dylan Brooks into some trade options into, uh, you know, some, some, some trade scenarios in our, in our very first podcast. That's because, you know, Dylan um, isn't committed next year. Actually, D'Anthony Melton's not committed next year. Iggy ro- rolls off, so does Solo. And what that does is for, for next year is opens up the Grizzlies to have the second most available cap space um, in the NBA next to the Atlanta Hawks. And considering that they're actually um, being linked to some other trade rumors um, that, that could take away some of that cap, it, it puts a very interesting scenario in place for next year. And so one of the things that, that we've just sort of, started to mull around and, and think through like, okay, who are the free agents that are available next year? If you're the GM of the Grizzlies, what do you do? Where do you sort of start to think through what you could, what, what you would want to do? And I sort of think that a, um, let's just assume that even if, if we, if the Grizzlies decide they want to resign Dylan Brooks, you know, maybe to a, a four year, you know, call it, $36 million deal, which is, would be sort of on par and average maybe to what I would expect um, him to get maybe as a six man, even type of role yep. um, and, and keep Melton to something a little bit similar um, to that uh, a little bit lower. He, that's actually maybe being aggressive, um, but I think his impact, um, you know, could give him something around, um, you know, another, you know, call it, you know, four year, $25 million deal. The Grizzlies still have significant space available over the next four to five years to go sign a max player. And so because of that, I'm sort of suggesting that we should do everything in our power uh, and in just how we move forward to go all out on Brandon Ingram, who is a restricted free agent, but give the guy the max, make the Pelicans match, make uh, Brandon Ingram also maybe not uh, consider, do I want to use my, my kind of, uh, you know, player power card, if you will, and say no to coming to play with John Jaron. Now I think that the Pelicans would obviously match based on what he's doing, but sort of want to propose that on the table. We'll show you the numbers here in a second, but I think it looks good. I think the Grizzlies have the, the financial flexibility now to do that. And could you imagine having Brandon, John, Jaron playing one, uh, playing alongside one another um, the next four to five years? Uh, this is something that uh, we, at the Grizzlies, are in. Just it's a unanimous yes. Uh, I think no matter, even with the cap implications of having a max guy on the books for uh, three to four years, it's it's the fit. Uh, as a as a wing scorer who can do a who can also defend he's not he's not an a plus defender but who can defend but just just can be a go-to guy in the final minute to put alongside Jaron and Ja um, he's he's extended his range and 
almost most importantly, he is on the same age timeline as these guys. He's only, yeah. I think, 22 years old. And so you're not signing a guy to a max who's 26 and uh, and potentially at will be at the tail end of his prime when the max runs out. Like, this guy will only be 26 or 27 when this next deal ends. And so um, you're getting a, a player that has uh, shown that he could be the go-to guy. He, he has shown that at New Orleans this year um, with, in my opinion, um, talent that won't necessarily, like Drew Holiday, who knows where he will be even at the end of this season or next season. Zion hasn't even played yet. Um, to me, the 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 Grizzlies ha- are starting to establish themselves um, as a a destination for guys um, like that who will potentially want to uh, to seek that max money, but also have a a really good chance to win with some fellow young players. Yeah, and I think you know one of the maybe uh, devil's advocate positions could be against going after Brandon Ingram would be, well, what does that do to the future of John Jaron? And so you guys will see when we post the details of this, we sort of assumed maybe um, a max-ish type scenario and what we think those guys could get re-signed at with Jaron coming up in 2022, 2023, Ja 2023, 2024, assuming that it just sort of goes at a, at a super kind of chronological component um, or, you know, re-signing. Uh, we still have um, what I would – that would put us on par for what – I see across the league and what players are paying or what team franchises are paying for their top three. And um, that also assumes giving Brandon Clark kind of like a, 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 a JV type deal, meaning, um, you know, call it a, um, you know, three to four year, $40 million type option, which sort of feels like maybe what he's progressing towards um, as a, you know, kind of like a fourth or fifth option, or first guy off the bench. And so not only do I sort of feel like it makes financial sense, um, uh, it just sort of feels like the card that the Grizzlies had to play. Take your shot, uh, go after it, see you have the flexibility, uh, see if you can make him say no. To be honest with you, put, I, I'd even be willing to not sneak around about it. Like I want, I would love for other teams to know and franchises to know that or, or, you know, that type of talent that, hey, like, we think we have something so great here and so much space here. We're willing to give, like, a young player the cap. I want John Jaron to know that, too. Like, we, we're trying to build around you to find the right fit right now because we believe so much in you that we're, we want you here long term that we're going to find that third option. We're really we're ready to make it work. I think there's a lot to be said for that type of strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously – a potential Drummond to Atlanta trade would be huge. That would virtually knock Atlanta out, not necessarily all the way out, but it would, it would help uh, the cause for Memphis. It would just, it would, it would lower those, uh, that cap availability in Atlanta, uh, New Orleans. It's, it's interesting to think about whether or not, if he does end up choosing New Orleans, um, it could be the best or the worst thing for the Grizzlies. Um, it could be the best thing if Ingram 
uh, turns out to uh, maybe not live up to that max potential, and then they have that cap hold on their books for that many years. Um, and it could also be the worst thing because he could totally live up to his potential, and he's we're gonna we know that we're gonna be seeing him in Zion at least four times a year. Um, and so it, it's just an interesting situation. And, and, and as you pointed out, that 2023-2024 year is going to be uh, the most interesting one because that's when Ja will be up for what I assume will be his max deal, barring anything significant. And it will be um, probably the last deal, the last year of uh, a max deal that you would give out this next offseason. So... Uh, looking forward, you'll see that when we share out this sheet. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add, Brantley, to this? I'll just discussion? say, I, yeah, I just think, you know, people will hear us and sort of maybe roll their eyes that we're just saying that I don't know if it's realistic that it's going to happen, but it's what I would do. And it's how I would use our cap. And if it, if what we're also saying, I think, unif- unified from a Grizz, you know, kind of podcast co cohort is that, if Ingram says no or the or the Pels match, which Ingram is saying no, I think our biggest competitor in this would be the Knicks. They have enough cap to not go over the tax next year, and then their next two to three years after that is really bleak looking. I think if you're the Knicks, you have to try to go after someone like Brandon Ingram um, to try to maybe um, pull other star players there in the future. Uh, but but my point is that if you don't get Brandon Ingram, I think you try to do another year like what you did this year, where you use your flexibility to be an offload type of balance sheet um, for other contenders um, to restock with assets, um, maybe not necessarily as much as picks, uh, but other players that you think have the, the, uh, the potential to turn into real um, valuable players for you moving forward. Yeah, I agree. It's going to take... Uh, a player of uh, of Brandon Ingram's uh, potential caliber in order to, at least for me, justify throwing the max around. I don't think that just because you have the space, you need to spend it. And I think we're aligned yeah. on that. 100%. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to, to get to the end here of this exciting podcast coming off the big win. Still not over it, that Timberwolves win. Uh, For our last segment, Hammer, Nail, Coffin. Brantley, for this, you actually had a question to throw out there for the Thursday pod. Yeah, tell me, Will. um, If you're John Morant, do you say yes to the dunk contest? Ooh. I think you say yes. I think... Tell me about it. I think that getting an invitation to the dunk contest is a big deal. Getting an invitation as a rookie is a mm-hmm. huge deal. I think uh, the the all-star participants in the last six or seven years for the Grizzlies have been... Uh, Zebo in the All-Star game, which was cool, but he's not necessarily... Uh, he and Mark, who both got All-Star nods, aren't necessarily the high-flying, exciting players that 
<laughs> the All-Star game tends to highlight. Um, I think yeah. they probably had the most assists and rebounds <laughs> in All-Star history. Uh, not really. Uh, the other <laughs> the other player was, uh, I'm pretty sure Mike Conley had, was in the skills competition last year. Which That's right. Which seemed uh, like more of a consolation uh, prize yeah. because of his his famous just never getting the uh, all-star pick. But Ja is different. In every way, he's different. He is uh, the definition of exciting. He could basically usher in the new normal for all-star weekend when you have a Grizzlies player involved. Um, I think someone in our Slack, maybe it was Jay, mentioned the prospect of having Ja, Jaron, and Brandon Clark in their rising stars uh, and Ja in the dunk contest could make this All-Star break a must-attend for Grizzlies Ooh. fans like us. <laughs> so I'm saying yes, uh, partially uh, selfishly, so that we can uh, justify going. <laughs> Dude. So I was like all in on that until I realized that the All-Star Weekend is literally like when my baby is supposed to be born. So you got to talk to my wife about that one. Don't think I can miss my, my first child. It's a little waverly being born. I think uh, trust me, sort of. I think there's got there's probably some good hospitals in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, just, we'll make sure United takes us up there. Yeah. We'll, we'll get an appointment make the road trip. Yeah, y'all, should, um, y'all can I'll drive tell you, I'll just say this. I just, I hope he says yes, just for my own fandom. And I think it would be so much fun. I also just love that he's making his weight. And I don't know if he's doing this with intention or not, but someone is telling, I suspect that someone is advising him to draw it out and create as much excitement over it as he can and get the most out of the announcement that he can. You know, you've got Dwight and Levine, I think, already having accepted, you know, two previous winners. The fact it's sort of come out on socials this week, and, I, you know, he definitely has national buzz. I don't, I don't want to, like, maybe overblow how much national buzz he has, but I definitely think that, his highlight reel is really catching on and it's more than just, you know, us Grizzlies super fans. I mean, he, he does stuff every night where he puts people on ice skates and gets around them and has a layup or a dunk. And, um, you know, his video of him, you know, jumping over like four Murray state people and, and slamming at home, in a kind of, whether it's a dunk contest or just a skills demonstration, um, is kind of going around the Twitterverse as well. And I, I think it could potentially grow a little bit to where he not has to say yes, but just he, that he has to say yes. And um, <laughs> I just, if you're the Grizzlies, why would you, this kind of maybe to what you were sort of suggesting, I think can be served as a jumping off point into um, the franchise having a little bit more, um, recognition than that it previously has. And 
I don't know. I think selfishly you have to encourage them to go and do it and be smart and have fun with it and, um, you know, kind of let the good times roll, if you will. Yeah, for what it's worth, Levine was invited. He has not accepted per sources. He is saying okay. that he is more likely to participate if he also makes the All-Star game. So he's trying to play the leverage game there. Uh, but just the idea of job Good fact check there. Yeah. Just the idea of Jaw and Dwight Howard being in the same dunk contest. Um, just, I mean, former Grizzly Dwight Howard. Former Grizzly, that's right. I just could picture already in my head uh, Jaw jumping over Dwight uh, to win it. It's just, it oh. would just be too perfect, and I just <laughs> couldn't. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah, it'd be, it would be. It would be unbelievable. There's no question. He has to do it. Please, John, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure he is. Which, if you are, uh, slot into our DMs. Uh, but please do it. Absolutely. Well, this has been uh, an electric episode of the Grizzden Pod. We have some exciting things to come. Uh, we wish Ty and his baby the best. He and his wife and his uh, baby Hatch the best. Uh, Brantley, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we can make this work, even though we're in two different places. I'm glad you got to attend such an exciting game. Uh, it's playoff time in Memphis. Am I right? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. All right, thanks for joining us. Shout out to our listeners worldwide. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, y'all. Let's begin, party on.